0: and get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MeatEater for 10% off your purchase. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, home of the modern whitetail hunter. And now, your host,
1: Mark Kenyon welcome to the wired to hunt podcast i'm your host mark kenyon and this week on the show i'm joined by tony peterson to break down the good the bad and the ugly of our 2021 hunting seasons and everything that we and hopefully you can learn from those experiences All right, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by First Light. And today we're having something that I, for lack of a better term, am calling a whitetail therapy session. I'm just imagining like stepping foot into, and I've actually never been to a therapy session, so I don't know if this is actually how it goes, Um But from the TV version of things, I'm imagining like I'm stepping into an office and there's this kind of cushy couch in the corner and I'm being told to go sit on that couch. And then there's this really nice older lady with spectacles sitting in an office chair across from me. And I'm envisioning that person as Tony Peterson today. Um, (laughs) so, So Tony, you can be my very nice elderly therapist who is going to sit in the office chair and look at me while kind of drumming your fingers together underneath your chin and I'm going to lay on the couch and then we can flip the roles and I can be that person. You can lay on the couch and we can talk about the 2021 hunting season. I kind of want to just, just like dissect it because we haven't really got to do that together at all since the season started. Maybe we had a little chance. I guess we talked about the one week in November hunt. Um, you know, past longtime listeners would know that in past seasons, you know, me and Dan would be on here every week talking about what happened last weekend or what happened last week. What'd you do right? What'd you do wrong? What'd you learn? How'd you screw it up? What'd you do? What would you do differently? All those kinds of things. And I kind of walk through the year. Folks could kind of learn along with me. And this year, we didn't get as much of a chance to do that. I haven't really been able to dive into everything. Um, Now, I know you have been able to do some podcasts, especially on foundations, where you've kind of shared some of these anecdotes throughout the year, too. Uh, I really liked that episode you did, Tony, I don't know, like a few weeks ago, just after the new year broke and kind of talking about... You know, thinking about your past year and what you can learn from it, I kind of want to take what you were talking about and do it ourselves here for everyone to listen to. Um, see if you and me can learn something or figure something out, or, or if nothing else, get some shit off our chests, and uh, maybe that could be helpful for other people too. So, that's yeah. my idea. Uh, what do you think about it?
2: I love it. And it, this probably doesn't come as much of a surprise to you, but I actually have been to therapy. So maybe <laughs> I can help you out a little
1: bit, Mark. Yeah. Did, did, was my description on or was I missing anything?
2: Well, instead of an, I would take the old elderly lady uh, and I would replace him with a younger, uh, younger kind of smallish guy who likes sweater vests.
1: <laughs> okay. And, <laughs> As a totally non-random example, I guess. Yeah, you've got some specifics to point to. (laughs) I like it. Have you ever watched the show Ted Lasso?
2: Oh, my God. My wife and I are watching Ted Lasso right now, and we're on season two, and it is the best.
1: It is the best. Great, great show. And so, yeah, I'm also thinking of the the sports therapist from that season of the show, and and her – you know, her role in the show and all the different people interacting with her was, was interesting. Um, so what's her name? Do you remember her name? Um, uh, gosh,
2: I, I literally, be. I just watched an episode last night with her in it.
1: Uh, man. I can't I remember I could, her. Cause you her could, name. you could be my, her. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. <All> right,
1: then. <laughs> So what I'm trying to do, Tony, let's get back on, back on task here. Uh What I want to do is just talk about our years and some different things we experienced and learned. And I've been doing a lot of kind of thinking about it because it was a crazy year for me. And from afar, it kind of seemed like it was a different kind of year for you, maybe in very, very different ways than mine. Um, so tell me this, I guess, to start and you feel free to, you know, you play host too, Tony, so you can send all these questions right back at me. Um sure. but but I'll I'll start here and just ask, if you had to grade your twenty twenty one hunting season on a A to F scale, like you're in elementary school again, how would you grade your year? And I don't I don't know how you're choosing to do this. You tell me however you want to define success or the grade or whatever, but how would you how would you rate it? How would you grade it?
2: Oh man. You know, personally my hunting was I would give it maybe this that's a hard way to this is a hard thing to answer because I didn't get to hunt very much so it was kind of a unfulfilling season even though you know outwardly it looked very successful because I you know in the short amount of time I put in I had a you know as far as tags filled are concerned it was great and so that part was kind of rough because I didn't get to do some of the things I really like to do and go run a bunch of different states for public land so maybe a C for myself, but I also had the first year ever where I got to take my daughters, you know, multiple weekends, and that was an A plus, man. That was that was kind of what made my season.
1: Okay, but so I guess combine those two though. So how does the bad grade of your personal combine with the good grade of the larger experience? Like where does that net you out? And do you do, is that uh, maybe you just answer for me? But do you look at those two things as separate?
2: uh i i I don't do you know what I'm yes, at? I do I mean, I don't really have any way to think about it other than in my head, yeah. I go, you know there was there were the the times where I was just taking them and I didn't have a weapon, and then there were the times where I was hunting, and they just were they're different they're so vastly different in how you have to approach them, and man, it was just so to take them. It, it was just so fun. I just enjoyed it so much. And you know how this is. And I, I'm curious what you, you're going to say. But when you've got some obligations like we had for one week in November, and you know your your deer hunting gets mixed up in your work, it's a different experience. And it can still be really, really fun, but you approach it in a different way. And so it's just it comes with different things kind of attached to it. And that those hunts with my daughters, they were just like so pure. Like we had one goal you know, get out in the woods as much as possible and try to get a few deer in front of us. And and I just, I loved it, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can relate to that for sure. Um, because, you know, one of the things I want to talk about is what we would, what the best experiences were of our year. And for me, almost all of the things that kind of came to mind for me when I started thinking about, about that was when I was sharing hunts with, with someone you know where where the hunt wasn't about me and my success but it was about somebody else's or someone else's experience like taking my dad and son out or going out with new hunters like those ended up being the best things i did all year when people would might look at what i did and be like oh man this trip and that trip and this place and that place and those are all fine and great but when I look back the things that really were like impactful or that really had the most joy associated with them or whatever, it wasn't those things, which kind of surprised me when I started looking at these things. Um, so when I, if I were to grade my year, um, I'm giving it like a, like a C minus a C to C minus somewhere in that ballpark. C maybe, maybe just solid C. Um, because there was like a bunch of really cool things and then a lot of less cool things that I kind of experienced throughout or that I was like I don't know I mean we'll, we'll get into all that but it was not it was not a good year for me
2: um So well, hold hold on a second though are you are you grading your season you're not grading it on I think when we look at something like this you'd say well, you know, how many deer did you kill? How many tags did you have? And it would be an easy way to distill it down that way. But you're you're grading it upon like your enjoyment, right? Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm grading it on a combination of things. So from a tag, I'm looking at tags filled a little bit. And like So there's like the surface level success of a season, which would be tags filled, quality of the hunt, anything like that, achievement of goals, anything like that. Uh, but then like enjoyment of the year, um, overall satisfaction, um, just performance, like how I did on the things that I try to do well. Um, And so on a lot of those metrics, it wasn't where it needed to be or where I would like it to be. Um, So so I think all this leads to me, maybe why I'm having this, wanting to have this conversation is because I feel like I am in a transition phase of my hunting life. I didn't realize at the time, but now after this season, I feel like I hit some kind of transition point, like some point of inflection or something. Um, And and I guess that's why this is kind of an interesting conversation to have. Um, So, yeah, I I think it was like it was one of the coolest seasons I've had in certain ways in a long time. At the same time, it might be the worst season I've had in a long time. Um, And I guess we should get into all those things. Um, but yeah, I don't. So,
2: but hold on a second. So when you say that you feel like you're in a, in a transitionary period of your, of your whitetail hunting, what do you mean by that?
1: Okay. So we're going to kind of, this, this will kind of be diving right into, uh, I guess the, the climatic issue of sorts, but I think I did so much this year. Um, went on, you know, traveled to so many different places, so many different states with all these high flung goals. Um, and I've been, you know, you know, this you've, you've had many conversations with me in the past where I'm ranting about my goals and, you know, wanting to achieve this thing or that thing, or wanting to kill some specific big old buck with a name or kill a 150 inch five-year-old or whatever, all those kinds of things. Um, I think – and I've also just been like more, 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 more. I've been like uh, always striving for more in one way or another, whether that's more from a quality perspective or quantity or whatever. Um, And after this year, I think I packed myself to the gills with experiences and goals and like high-flung aspirations, (laughs) Um, and I came out of it just feeling like I I ended up losing sight – with some exceptions, I lost sight of like the fun of it. I yeah. lost the fun in things and the things that ended up, the things I realized ended up that are the most meaningful to me. I ended up not having any time for, or I didn't get to do it all. And instead I was just like stressed all the time about this thing and going to that thing and doing this thing. And did I accomplish this? And did I accomplish that? And, and then season ended up just being like a giant ball of, of stress um, and like check boxes to mark whether or not you did it and, um, coming out of it, I just have this feeling like, man, I don't know if I, I don't think I want to be people that do this stuff all, all over the place and all the time and like kill 10 deer a year, uh, or whatever. Like, I don't want to be Levi Morgan someone who travels from place to place to place to place to place place and has to kill deer everywhere and has to do that and has to pack and all these things. And good for them. Great for them. I'm glad there's people out there that can do that. But I don't think that's the path for me now. I don't think I'm going to be that person.
2: Um, Hey, before this fall, did you think that that was, did, did you even consider that a possibility before you went out on this wild schedule you had last year?
1: I mean, I don't think I ever, I don't think I ever wanted to be like, I mean, I don't know why Levi's the uh, example I'm pointing to, but I never wanted to go that far probably. But I think I imagined something more towards that end of the scale. I mean, I always had like aspirations or always like dreamed of like, man, look at these dream seasons that people are, have are going to this state and that state and this state and that state. And they're killing a big buck here and there and there. And I was like, man, I want to do that. And I've had my own little versions of that kind of thing here and there. Um, So, so yeah, I aspired to something along those lines Um, and, you know, everyone knows I'm quite goal-driven and so I like to push myself in certain ways like that, but I guess it went like too far this year or something and maybe that's just like where I am in, you know, family life and personal life and all those things kind of all overlapping within this like crazy year I had and all those things kind of led me to like, whoa, 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 like – Tap the brakes. Um, Maybe that maybe that's not maybe that's not the thing I want. Um, Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, man, I feel like you're about seven years behind me on this realization. And I think this, you know, you're in a unique position and so am I. But I I think when you you sort of chase that that lifestyle, there's a there's a space of life, you know, there's a life phase where it's really good, like where you can get after it and devote a lot of time to it. But when you start having little ones at home, it changes the whole thing and it's harder to be gone. And it's harder to just focus solely on those goals of killing big bucks here and there. It just, it it becomes something different. You realize you don't want to push it that hard. You'd rather, you know, cut your travel in half and really enjoy it and have it be meaningful versus just like how much can I get in in three months every fall
1: yeah yeah absolutely and then I also think like just like the obsession with killing something too a little bit like maybe I would be really happy with having two quote-unquote successful hunts but having great experiences throughout versus shooting for, well, I got to kill six big bucks or whatever to, to show that I'm really good at what I do and yada, yada, yada. Or to would have good Instagram pictures and all this stuff. And I used to like have that like feeling like, oh, I should be doing that. And I've kind of found that that's like tainted stuff for me. Um, and I'm kind of over it. Like I'm, I'm getting more and more like over the big buck thing. As crazy as that sounds, I mean I like big bucks are cool, I'm always gonna be geeked out by them and love chasing them and learning about them. I'm fascinated by deer, but I don't know like at one point, I was like I had like a quiet goal with like some of my friends like man I'm gonna shoot a one seventy by the time I'm thirty um and, like that kind of stuff, you know, and like I'm over that like that's just yeah. so trivial now in my mind um and so like like those kinds of things I'm just getting a little burnt out on that side of stuff.
2: Yeah. You're preaching to the choir here, buddy.
1: So, so let me, let's, let's unpack this a little bit more, both your experience and mine. So one of the things that made me like realize this a little bit was when I started looking at the best experiences of my year, like what are the things of everything I did that were my very favorite? And a couple of those things were number one, I, did a couple mentored hunts with new hunters. So these field of fork hunts, we just released a podcast about it. So plenty of people probably heard about this, but you know, I got to take out two folks over the course of several different weeks who were interested in learning to hunt and spend time with them, teaching them about this stuff and then getting to go out on hunt with them and then see them have these just awesome experiences, you know, seeing their first deer up close and then eventually getting to, to get a shot at one and, gut their first deer and go through all those emotions and go through all that stuff. And that was just so much fun. Just getting to kind of see that, um, just being reminded of just like the pure joy and the experience of what they were experiencing, getting to kind of live it through their eyes again. Like that was just so much fun and so refreshing. Um, those are two, you know, two hunts that are right at the top of my list and I didn't get to shoot a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Another one of the best experiences of my year was the one night, the one evening and morning that I was able to carve out time to go hunting with my dad and take my son. And how sad is it that I only made time to have one afternoon where I could take my dad and my son up to our cabin and go up there for a night in the morning. And that was it. But that was one of the very best things I did. So there was like an eye opener for me. Man, why am I running around doing all this stuff when the thing that's most important i only give 24 hours um so those were two things that stood out to me um what about for you when you think of like the best things you did this year the best experiences i mean i gotta believe a couple of them are taking your daughters out
2: yeah you know i was uh i was nervous about this this past season because i knew I was saving my Minnesota and my Wisconsin tag for our one week in November project. So yeah, I, I knew I wasn't going to hunt very much this year for myself, but I also knew my little girls were raring to go. And, you know, it was just such a, it, it felt like maybe this is a bad comparison, but when you get a a good bird dog, you just go do more stuff outside. Like a, a good dog just does that for you. You're like, I'm, I'm taking them for more walks. I'm taking them, you know, shed hunting more. We're going to hunt more. We're going to go out more, do more things. And with my little girls this year, it was like, man, you know, we got to get over there. We got to, you know, put some blinds up. Let's, let's scout around a little bit. And then the season starts getting closer. And it's like, we got to shoot more. And it was just, it was just such a cool experience for them to be at an age where they were involved in it and then to go over. And it, it was just a, it was so relieving to me in some ways to not have to worry about my own tags and just, you know, leave my bow at home and take them out and go spend, you know, I spent four full weekends with them hunting this year and it just, I had so much fun. I just, I loved it. And you know, it's, it's so great to go out with, you know, no standards, right? You're like, we got doe tags, we got buck tags, and we're just waiting for a deer to walk by. And, you know, we were in a place with low deer density and in those four weekends, we only saw seven deer, but they killed three of them. And so we got to do the, you know, blood trailing, we got to, to gut them, we got to butcher all of them. And it was just, it was amazing. It, it was the best part of my season by orders of
1: magnitude. Yeah. So how do you see, like, what does that mean for you moving forward? Like, uh, this is your first year getting to really have them as involved as you did. How do you see that? Changing things this year and future years for you
2: well probably I'll probably fill fewer tags and they'll fill more you know I mean it, as long as they want to keep going and it, you know we're we're working hard on turkey season already and you know getting a couple states in and whatever they want to do i'm I'm game for it so you know I know the balance of my season from here on out at least you know they might give it up in a few years you, you don't know what's going to happen but if they want to go they're going to go we're going to we're going to make those opportunities happen and so I'll be planning more of my hunting just around our you know our work obligations yeah. and when they're not able to hunt and it, I I'm super okay with that
0: Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor. No waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in there. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at urgentcarekit.com slash meater and use promo code meater. That's promo code meater at urgentcarekit.com dot com slash meat eater hey if you guys like to cook outdoors and you oughta you should check out the weber slate rust resistant griddle now this this is a good innovation here and it solves a real problem okay so this is a carbon steel cooktop that's safe for metal tools like a griddle on your grill it's pre-seasoned with food safe oils and ready to cook on right out of the box there's no use of coatings, okay? You can use metal tools to flip, press, and scrape without worry. It's the griddle that stays ready, not rusty. Now, everything, the problem with griddles, everything rusts. No one talks about how bad everything rusts. Uh, the reason they don't, because they couldn't fix it until now. Well, n- Weber's new rust resistant technology. Your Weber grill will last for years. When used, the carbon steel griddle hardens and bonds the surface, reducing the ability for moisture to collect and rust to form. With the new Weber Works Prep Cook and Store System, you can keep cooking and cleaning supplies handy, carry food and condiments from the kitchen to the griddle, and even convert the side table into a prep station. Get fired up for your new Weber Slate Rust-Resistant Griddle.
1: So what outside of the hunts with your girls? So just the you hunts. Where 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 were those this year? You did obviously Minnesota and Wisconsin, as documented on one week in November. Yep. Uh, and then what else? And did then you North do? Dakota too. So that just that one. So that was way less than you usually do. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yep. Way. You know, <clears throat> I probably. Well, you know, I I try to front load my season every year. So September is usually a really good month for me. Uh, And, you know, that might be whitetails and Western games, some kind of mix of that. And I didn't even – I mean, I literally never carried my own weapon into the woods the entire month of September this year, which is so unusual.
1: So do you think – so like uh, now looking back on it, are you – did you feel like it was – did you go too far in that direction, and you missed not hunting as much for yourself, or do you feel like, man, it was it was good, it was fine because of how great it is with my daughters, and I'm going to keep it like this? Like, do you see that changing at all, or do you see the same?
2: Uh, I hope it it bends a little more in my favor uh, th- to just sit more because, you know, it's it's just. When you're wired to do it, it's hard to have those long times where you don't do it. And it's one of the things when I'm struggling you're, with. when
1: you're wired to hunt? Yes.
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the things that I'm, that I struggled with this year is just not, you know, I don't, I don't have, uh, I have one place to hunt close to my house here and it's being developed. So by May 1st of this year, that, that place is totally gone. And it's been, it's been going away for the last two years now. And so I'm, I'm really nervous about my future for not having any, I I don't have any opportunity to just go out and sit like an afternoon on a Wednesday night. You know what I mean? So I'm like, I'm looking at that situation going, you know, it's, I don't want to rely solely on having to travel somewhere to get my fix but that's kind of what i'm staring at. and so i need to i need to get that figured out because you know how it is. it's you, you get really caught up in stuff especially when you have a big travel schedule and man, you start to miss just those times when you go out by the house and just go sit. you know, it's not a big production that you have to pack for, you know, you just grab minimal amount of gear and you've got a nice setup and it's it's just relaxing and mm-hmm. a nice little break from the week. And when you don't have that, like I'm, I'm already anxious about not having that. I'm not even dealing with it yet. Yeah, it's, so I, I think about that for this year a lot.
1: Yeah, it's funny you mention that because that's like as I was thinking through this, I was trying to kind of take note of some of like the biggest mistakes or things I realized I want to do differently next year. Or I guess this year now. And one of those things that stood out to me too was like not enough local time, because I, you know, you and me both preach often about the value of traveling to hunt and going to new places and challenging yourself to get better and all that stuff. And for good reason. Like, I think those are good things that can help you grow. We both have a lot of fun with it, but this year I've realized like the alternate or like the opposite side of the scale, which is doing that too much to, to, to the point where you don't do the easy, comfortable local thing almost at all. And I kind of realized, Whoa, I actually really do enjoy that sometimes. And it is important to have some of that. Um, because yeah like i i had very few hunts that were just like the relaxing walk out the door have a fun sit and you know be back for dinner kind of stuff and uh, you know there's there's value to both sides there and this Big year time. kind of was a was an aha moment for me there for sure
2: so you mentioned earlier that you're you're in this new place where you're not as geeked about big bucks as you have been in the past, does that mean you're going to, you're going to lower your standards and start shooting a bunch of forkies?
1: (laughs) I did that this year. Um, And um, I wouldn't say like I'm necessarily going to go that far with things. Um, But at the same time, I'm not going to be opposed to it. I mean, I, I, I had an experience, you know, this year lowering my standards and it was fun. Like I, I'm glad I did that with these hunts that I was on. Um, And so, so part of me is like, yeah, that could be more possible. Part of me, you know, also is, I think, uh, I, I I don't know. I don't know if like I'm fully figured, I don't know if I fully figured out like what I want anymore. I think I'm still in that process, um, but I'm just not going to be, I'm not, I don't have the crazy obsession that I used to have in which I was like, okay. How can I get to these states where I think there's big 160s and I want to put more bucks like that on the wall or, you know, really thinking about that a lot. I think what I'm more interested in now is how can I have some hunts that are like super interesting or fun? So, you know, like. I'm interested, like one of the things, one of the good things that came out of my season was the fact that I got to go to many different places and experience these different styles of hunting. And I found like that to be fun. Like I enjoyed that side of things. Like my best hunt of the year, I think was going to Nebraska and I love that area out there. I love the plains. So it was in a place that I just love. And then it was also a new style of hunting that was new and just fun. Just going out there with a handheld decoy and running around like an idiot and trying to get close to one. And I was, it was just pure type one, stupid kid fun. And yeah. there's nothing wrong with having that sometimes. Um, so I think I see myself starting to, not saying this will be like a night and day change, but I think I can see my seasons more and more going towards choosing hunts and locations and things more around what's just a place I wanna be. Or people I want to be with or experiences like I just want to like try or have some fun with. And wow. less so, man, I got to have a sick lease in Kansas where I can shoot 170s every year. I think at one point I thought, oh, I want to try to nail down that kind of thing. And I think now not so much. Um, not that I'm not going to go to big bucks dates. Not that I'm not going to enjoy those opportunities in different ways. But just it's just not as high on my priority list as it used to be.
2: Yeah, you're ready to go have some fun.
1: Yeah, exactly. Isn't that where this stuff's supposed to be? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So so yeah, I think that's that's where I'm I'm heading, and you know what exactly that means in you know reality, like how that ends up playing out. I'm not sure, but yeah, I mean, life's too short to to be. Taking this thing that we love and making it stressful or making it, you know, I, so much. And I don't know, I'm this is really getting into some babble bullshit. But I uh, anyone who's listened for a long time knows that I often like get into this like mission focus where I'm like so goal oriented and like deer hunting for me is like a mission. Like you've got the, you've got the target, you're attacking the target with this very strategic plan. Um, and there's no, no, no quit in you. And you've got to do all these things. You got to execute it on the plan. And it's like, it almost is like a military thing for me. And, um, and I think there, there is value to, to like some of that stuff. And I think, maybe it taps into a thing that I need and maybe other people need too. where like a lot of us need to have some kind of thing like that to push towards. Like that's good for you as a person to have like something to focus you and to focus your work and to push you forward or whatever. Um, I just think I'm realizing maybe it went too far for me and that now I need to take a step back and and look at this more experiential, like one of the big aha moments I had this year and it wasn't like a single epiphany, but it was something that on on many of these hunts that I was on, especially at the second half of the year, um, you know, I've got the cameraman following me around filming this new show. And so basically I got to the point where just any time a thought would pop in my mind, I would just start talking about it to the camera. Um, and what ended up popping up over and over again, multiple times I discussed this in many different trips, was just this kind of, awakening I'm having to to how the process and the experience is becoming more important to me than the outcome. And so I was I was kind of realizing that like obsessing over whether I'm going to kill a buck in Maine or Wisconsin is taking the fun out of it for me and it's it's maybe not what should matter in the first place. Maybe looking at the process and the the learning like so what I ended up looking back on these hunts is like dude you could look at my hunt in Maine as a utter failure i didn't see a single deer and kill a deer let alone see one um but when i look at it and once i allowed myself to start being okay with it you could look at it and say okay yeah final outcome goal achievement no nothing zippo you're a failure but on the flip side I got to learn a really cool thing. I got to spend time with some interesting people. I was in a beautiful place, and if I could like release the pressure that I was feeling to kill something, if I, if I could just get myself to not be so dang worried about that and instead focus on the process, it was a great thing. And that's what I like. That's like the thing I was trying to do as these hunts went along because I had like this building pressure. Like you got to shoot one. You got to shoot one, and um and for content like like we're is you know we're in a unique situation like we do this for our jobs we're supposed to showcase these things and so yeah for my job for interesting videos probably would have been better if i would have killed more stuff sorry folks didn't happen but for you know the reality of most of us and the reality for me this year was was hey you know what you can either hate your hate your experience because you're not getting that outcome that you think you need or You can shift the way you look at this stuff and you can say, you know, whether I achieve the goal or kill a big buck or whatever, I can still really enjoy this thing for what it is. And there's value in enjoying the fact that you're going to learn something or you're going to grow. You know, you did that podcast with Andy May recently where I know you guys talked about some things along these lines that was on my mind a lot where you could go and you could have your, you know, your, your super nice. Nice. Iowa lease or whatever, let's say nothing against Iowa leases. I might have one someday, but let's say you've got your like mega big buck factory place. that's all locked down and you know, every year there's big giant bucks out there and you've got it all managed and it's, it's, it's there and you know how to do it and it's comfortable and you're going to kill big deer. Like that's fun. I get that. I'd like to have some fun doing that kind of thing too. But I also found this year, like maybe there's also fun in doing brand new things. Maybe there is also fun in like in trying to learn in challenging yourself yep. in new ways, not being obsessed with the outcome of it, but being obsessed with like, how do I learn as much as possible? How do I grow? And like, that's the fun thing Um yeah. that like this large. I don't know if I'm articulating this right, but like that was what this year ended up being about. Like The good stuff on my year was all related to that stuff. The yep. bad stuff was all related to obsessing over the outcome too much or like screwing stuff up when I was trying to get the outcome?
2: Uh, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> you're making such progress in this therapy session. <laughs> um, I, I was worried about you for a while because you're such a head case, but it seems like you're coming around, buddy.
1: <laughs> okay, this is what I need to hear.
2: <laughs> uh, no, it, what you're saying reminds me so much. when when I When I was 20... 28, 29. I can't remember when I went out and freelance, I'm like, I'm going to be a freelance writer. And I'm like, I'm going to hunt public land super hard. And I'm going to set the world on fire and show everybody how you can kill big bucks out there. I went to the darkest place I've ever been as a deer hunter because I was not enjoying it. And I was like, I've got to go kill big bucks. And I fell apart. I mean, that's when my buck fever just hit like a a whole nother level and my enjoyment just dropped. And it was like, it was a rough thing to go through, but it changed like what you're talking about, about just like, I want to go places where I enjoy the experience and, you know, I'm going to have fun and not just, not just, you know, make all these decisions based around the likelihood of encountering a really big buck, man, I, I'm right there with you. And it, it changed how I look at it, you know, and, like talking to Andy recently about that stuff, like I, I realized like it's so easy for me to kind of, and I, I think we all do this to some extent, but just lean into like what, what we've figured out makes us happy. And, you know, like you said, that, that lease down in Iowa that somebody has, that's a totally different thing, but that could be just the thing that some hunters need to really enjoy this and really enjoy the experience. You know, we talk about the process a lot and I've been, I've been thinking about this ever since that Andy episode, we probably didn't outline it very well. But you know, like our process is different than a lot of people, and yeah. I, I realized, I'm like, man, the process of working on a little piece of ground and and you know looking forward to going to till up some soil and you know throw down some clover seed or whatever, and and it's 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 the same. It's a different path, but you're you're angled toward the same result. Like you're just trying to enjoy and soak up a, as much of this as possible, and I think that's why it's so easy to sort of push this traveling mentality because it really gives you a glimpse into what you, you really like in this stuff. You know, like when you go to, like you said, you go out to Maine and you go to all these different states and now you're down in Alabama, you're getting, you have a really unique opportunity to figure out what you really want to get out of this stuff. And so that's, you know, I mean, I, I guess sometimes we probably don't push that message this, the right way, I guess, but man, to go experience some new stuff really shows you like oh i love this western north dakota land i want to hunt here every year no matter what or i don't really like driving 10 hours and sleeping in a tent when it's hot you know like i want to stay closer to home and do something else when you start figuring that stuff out and thinking about it that way versus just like i went here and i either killed a big buck or i didn't it just the the path to enjoying this stuff i think it's just it's just a little easier to see
1: yeah yeah Uh, and I guess the only way you figure those things out is by trying all those different things. But then like once you kind of learn where you're at or what makes you happy or how you like to enjoy this stuff, I guess we shouldn't feel guilty for doubling down on that. I guess like maybe, maybe I've gone too far, like pushing, like you said, kind of pushing our narrative of what we like versus, you know, kind of also realizing that everyone's going to have their own path to it. I think that's a great point you make. Um, Yeah. That's, that's also, I, I guess, it changes though, too, right? I mean, like I've had now this transition for me that's changing, and what would make me happy eight years ago is probably different than what's going to do it for me now, and that's okay too. Um, yeah. Can I can I make a prediction yeah. about you? Yeah, sure.
2: <laughs> I think you're going to start killing a lot of deer.
1: <laughs> when you say and that, I, what do you mean? Like just just a bunch of deer, or are you saying like I'm going to have more success in? I guess expand on that.
2: I think when you start to say you know the trophy thing. It's losing its appeal to me. when you when you say that, what what that carries with it in its orbit is just a greater uh, less pressure and a greater enjoyment. And I'll tell you what man, when I stopped caring about big bucks, you know I, I shouldn't say that when I when it became way less important to me, I started killing a lot more deer because I was going out to have fun. And it wasn't that Terminator style, you know, gotta, gotta encounter big bucks. Like you were talking about earlier, I just started making decisions based around like where, where can I go to hunt that I think is going to challenge me, or I'm just going to enjoy it. Or it's going to have a whole bunch of deer that I'm going to be around, or it is an environment I just want to hunt in. And when I started planning my deer hunting life around just where do I want to be? Cause I know it's that, that place is going to do it for me the stress kind of goes away and you level off a little better and you're out there more. I think you, you have a more clarity to your decision-making and man, for me, it just, when when I did that, when that happened to me, I started killing a lot more deer. Yeah, And I think it was just because I wasn't making a bunch of like anxiety, stress-filled decisions. I was just like, what's, what's going to be fun about this? And you know, you know how it is. Like there's still a lot of work mixed in there and there's still a lot of failure, you know, tossed into the mix as well but man it changes it changes how you act out there and it changes the decisions you make and for me it went it broke in the right way big time and i think it's gonna for
1: you too yeah i think that makes a lot of sense and i i i see i see i could see that happening absolutely i could also see you asked me about like my goals or standards changing or something and i don't think I don't think I'm not. I'm not necessarily going to go on a streak of like shooting Forkies keys, um, because I. What am I trying to say here? I think I'm just going to be okay, more okay with just not shooting anything,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and that still being fine and cool. Um, I think I'll still always be have like a pull towards like I don't know like like a buck that just makes me. Extra excited. And, you know, that'll probably, maybe not, but I think for the foreseeable future, that's still going to be like, you know, one of the better bucks in the area, a three year old or a four year old or whatever. But I'm definitely not going to be obsessing over like having to get a 165 year old or something. Like, you know, some people have these different trajectories where they slowly go up. Some people want to kill a bigger deer every year. Some people only want to shoot 170 pluses. Some people only want to shoot five or six year old bucks or older. Um, And maybe at one point I thought I would go closer and closer towards some kind of thing like that. I don't think that's going to happen. I think I'll likely, or at least, I guess I don't know what the hell I'm going to be like five years from now. But like this coming year, I think I'm going to be super stoked to kill like a nice deer somewhere, like a three-year-old. I think that some of those bucks I passed in Iowa this year will be getting an arrow for sure, wherever I'm at this year. (laughs) Um, uh, I also think that... You know, if I'm somewhere and it's just not happening and it's not going my way, I'll keep on working at it, but I'm not going to lose. I'm going to, tr- <laughs> you know, I I say this now, I'm going to try not to lose sleep over stuff not going well. And I'm going to try to be like, you know what, this is still a cool hunt, even though I didn't come home with something Um that's i mean that's something i've talked about for years trying to get better but i want to keep getting better at that because it sucks to put all this time and energy into this thing that's supposed to be fun and fulfilling and then you get done with it and you're like oh man what a wasted 7 days well yeah, that's, that's, that's that's not good that's stupid um so so yeah i think like i think you're right in a lot of ways and and having that mindset hopefully will probably end up leading to me having more success on that you know with that kind of thing like you're describing Because, like, yeah, like this year, I definitely found like the the stress or the pressure, whatever you want to call it, you know, definitely impacted me. I mean, like, if we want to talk about one of my biggest challenges, this is a little bit of a pivot, but maybe this is a natural pivot. You know, one of the biggest, the biggest challenge I experienced, and I haven't really talked about this yet publicly, um, although, like, examples of it popped up throughout, um, was that. I totally had a collapse of confidence in my shooting. Um, and I think it began with that first hunt in DC. I wounded that doe and I was so upset about that. I was so stressed out about that. I was so down on myself for that shot. Um, And, you know, that being the documented ending to this show I was producing and, like, all the stuff it led to and, you know, having the cops called and just a disaster all the way around. I was so upset about that that then I was like, oh, God, I hope I'm not going to have, like, another descent into target panic like I had a handful of years ago. And I remember having these, like, internal conversations like, don't let this be like a thing. Don't let this start going down that – don't let this get into your head. But, of course, as soon as you start saying that shit, it's getting in your head. Um And so, and so then, you know, I go to Arkansas and I didn't have a muzzleloader. And so we had to have a muzzleloader shipped to me from Meteor headquarters before that hunt. And then I'm like getting it sighted in and getting it ready. Uh, like just the week before the season, week before the hunt and it will not, uh, it will not group well. And like, I mean, I, I went through so many rounds. I can't get this damn thing to group well. I went like three different times to different stores trying to find different sabots and bullets to try. And now I'm having like a panic of like, why can't I shoot a gun anymore? What's wrong with me? I can't shoot this damn gun. And I'm trying to figure out what's going on, if it's the scope, if it's me. And so I have this whole thing with my gun now. Um, I ended up finding a round that shot better um, and was able to be okay with it. But it definitely like like that that mental thing traveled with me to Arkansas and you know, I killed a deer there first shot. I don't know what was the first shot or second shot. One of the shots was not great. One of the shots was perfect, but it took me two shots to kill this deer. Um, but that was like a thing. Okay. In my head, that didn't go as well as you want it to go. And then there's all that leading into it. Now we go to Iowa, my well-documented miss on that buck, which now is like, okay, now this is a documented descent into chaos. I wounded a deer in, uh dc i had to take two shots on this deer in arkansas now i missed one of the biggest bucks of my life in iowa um where like there was so much pressure built to that moment and finally the last day and we all know i've already told everyone how i felt throughout that thing now that happens so now we get to nebraska right i leave november 7th is our last day in iowa uh i pack up that night and start driving to Nebraska. The next morning, I finish my drive while recording a podcast in which I'm like documenting what happened over the last seven days. I get to Nebraska, and the biggest thing on my mind wasn't like, how do I do this hunt well? It wasn't like, what do I need to do right? It wasn't like, how cool this place is or how much fun this is going to be. The biggest thing in the back of my mind was, you better not miss or wound a deer. You better not f- screw this up. And so that was the thing that was stressing them out that whole time. And because of that, I became super, and I have not talked about this yet. I became very shot hesitant. There were several times that there were deer that had been historically within my range that I could have killed probably that I didn't shoot at. Cause I was so paranoid. I didn't trust myself anymore and I did not want to have another screw up. Um, and so like I had a buck come into the decoy and circle around me and I'm ranging him. He's like 43, 42, 40, um and you know might have got within 40 somewhere in that ballpark was the last number i hit on the rangefinder and in past years and you know i can shoot just fine and kill deer at 40 yards or have historically at least and i can do that behind the house just fine but in that moment i was like no i really want this deer to get in with like chip shot distance and you know talking to tony treach to about he's like yeah you certainly can get those deer in closer so that deer was broadside within my typical max range, but I didn't take that shot because I was like, ah, oh God, I don't, I don't want to possibly screw it up. I want just a slam dunk. I got to get just a nice, close, easy shot because I didn't trust myself anymore. And I didn't get a shot at that deer. Um, there was another smaller deer that did something similar. Same deal. I probably could have taken a shot. Now, maybe it's good that I didn't like force a shot that wasn't, um, you know, wasn't a slam dunk, but the same side, or I guess another side of it was I had opportunities that, if I had that confidence, if I hadn't gone down this descent, I probably could have killed a deer out there. Um, so there's a couple examples there in D.C. Um, you could then look at, you know, my continued shooting issues, go to Alabama, and I get a shot. Now, this was like, I mean, these sometimes these things just happen. Like, I, I got a shot, and I hit the farthest out inch of this tree this deer was standing behind and, and missed a deer because I was – inch and a half too far to the left if it had been an inch and a half to the right i would have heart shot him he was dead instead i hit a tree so now i'm feeling worse about stuff then i you know hour later another buck comes out and i do get a shot at him but the shot's back because of all these things again i, I rush that shot um so like bing bang, boom over and over and over these things start happening this year then i get to wisconsin and i'm hunting in this box blind set up that Tom and Drew had in a place where I'd seen deer coming out to the standing corn. And I think, okay, I'm going I got to go over to the standing corn where those deer are coming out. He's got an old box blind. I'll just sit in there the first night. And I remember getting set up in there and trying to think through, where am I going to get a shot? You know, where are my shots at? Where can I, where can I do this? And there was this patch of standing corn in front of me. And if a deer came right in front of you, there was corn that had already been cut right in front of you. You could shoot to 20 yards until you hit the standing corn. And then there was a standing corn. And I remember thinking, man, I really want to get set up for a deer to come right through this gap in front of me. Cause I want a 20 yard shot. I don't want a 40 yard shot. I, I don't trust myself anymore there. If I were to shoot out the right window, if deer did come from the right, the edge of that standing corn was about 40, 41 yards. In previous years, that should have been a shot I was ready to take and could have taken, but in my heart of hearts, I was like, I don't really want to shoot a 40-yard shot um, in January out of a box blind and it's cold, and I don't want to screw this up again. So I didn't. Now, maybe that was a good call on its own, but this is a symptom of what happened to me this year. And then lo and behold, the two shooter bucks I see that night are at that corner at 40, 41 yards, something like that, give or take. I could have got shots at those deer, but I did not because I was afraid to shoot at those deer. If I'm being a hundred percent honest with you guys, like in my back of my mind, like I was afraid to do that because I didn't trust myself anymore and they never ended up coming. They did come in range, but they're in the standing corn and couldn't shoot through it. So there's another possible opportunity I could have had that I didn't because of this thing that happened to me this year that I experienced And, and I think the overarching symptom or the overarching like theme of all these things, I think, is the pressure I put on myself and the stress I allowed myself to have on all these hunts, which I think then led me to freaking out more and more with each of these shots. And then all those things compound, um, leading to me having, you know, my worst shooting year ever. And the biggest thing I got to work on this year is now like rebuilding myself. Um, so I don't know. That was a long winding uh, admission of all my (laughs) screw ups this year. (laughs) What do you make of any of that, Tony?
2: Well, let me ask you this. Uh, I know, I know what happened on that Iowa buck to some extent, right? You were trying to, trying to squeeze your way under the cameraman's bag and it was a really big deer at the end of a kind of a rough shoot. Uh, but what about, what about the doe in
1: DC that you lost? What happened there? So two things, um, It was, I was, I got stuck at full draw. It was the last night. So it was the last hunt. It was winding. We're running out of shooting light. I called like with a fawn in distress call to get this doe to come back towards me. She comes back. And I I definitely was thinking like, I got to get a shot of this deer. Like we need, like, I remember there's talks that we really got to get a, you know, we really got to get a doe to make this episode work, whatever. And at least in my head, I was thinking that. And so like, we have to get this. And so this doe starts working her way in. And, um, I remember thinking, okay, like this is going to be my only opportunity to get drawn because she's, we're hunting a freaking yard or what she's walking across this big grassy yard and she's about to step behind these tree branches. And, and then she's going to be out of range if she goes any further past that tree. Like there's one little opening. So I thought, well, this is it. This is the only chance. And so I drew just as she was going to be going behind those branches and hopefully would continue her path and give me that one shot. Well, she stops right there um, behind the tree branches, out of range, behind the tree branches. I'm at, well, is that right? Is she behind the trees? I guess I don't remember exactly where she was, but all I remember was I was drawn and I couldn't move. So she must have, her, she was staring at us. I know that. And I couldn't move and I was at full draw. And I remember thinking you better not move. You better not pull this bow down because like she will bust you. And this thing is done. And then I was stuck at full draw for, I don't remember how long, but it was a very, very long time long enough that I was like, I, I can't do it. I can't hold this anymore. I, I remember having to like slowly angled down a little bit. I, I stayed at full draw, but I angled my arm down just so it was like easier for me to hold it. Yep. Um, and I was just stuck, stuck, stuck. And then finally she started moving and finally she stepped into that gap. And I, I certainly, I mean, I'm trying to like remember exactly. I, I certainly just did not execute that shot perfectly. I think part of it was the fact that my arms are super tired and part of it was like rushing it, just like, okay, finally it's here, take the shot. Um, it was How a combination was of those two she? things. It was like a twenty five yard shot. And the shot we believe hit low. So I I think it was good, but low, and and we never recovered her. So it was like that low brisket. If it was an inch or two higher, it could have been heart. If, you know, uh, in in this case, it it wasn't.
0: Pay attention here because this is a hell of a good service. It's called The Wellness Company. Picture this, okay? You wake up, you got a scratchy throat, you're all congested, you got a runny nose, you got a cough, whatever. And you weigh your options like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work, try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months, wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of six sick folks. Or you open your medical emergency kit. You match your symptoms to the doctor-recommended prescription and you start on the right meds right away. These medical emergency kits, not a first aid kit, all right? It comes with doctor prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. So, on hand, strong antibiotics for infections of all types. Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor, no waiting at the pharmacy, it's all in there. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at urgentcarekit.com slash meat eater and use promo code meat eater. That's promo code meat eater at urgentcarekit.com slash meat eater. Hey, everybody knows Weber grills. I've been using Weber grills my whole life and check it out. They got a pellet grill, the Weber Searwood Pellet Grill. Now, with a pellet grill, you can smoke, roast, and sear what I like to do on the same grill. You can go from low and slow okay, on smoke boost mode, which gives you great smoke at 180 degrees, or crank this thing all the way to a heat sear at 600 degrees. It's got a full, great sear zone, so you can put more food on the flame. This this is my way of bold saying If I was going to cook, roast one way, that's how I like to do it, sear roast. Utilize the smoke boost setting to intensify that smoky flavor. Direct flame cooking creates searing, crisping, and browning. Food's going to look as good as it tastes. This grill gets hot in 15 minutes. Cleanup is easy. Cook confidently with intuitive digital controls at the grill and enjoy the sleek, easy-to-use surface. You can also add a heavy-duty rotisserie or rust-resistant griddle insert to up your game. Get fired up for your new Weber Searwood pellet grill.
2: When you shoot deer or shoot at deer, do you, do you typically remember your pins being on their side or your pin being on their side? Man,
1: I remember, I, I remember like where the pin was in general, Yes. I've had experiences where, le- like, like usually my, my, my shooting problems would come from the shot would go off as soon as the pin hits the vitals. So, yeah. like, I would be dropping down, and then as soon as the pin's on the vitals, like, the shot's off. Now, I switched to a uh, back tension style release, and so mm-hmm. as soon as the pin hits the vitals, that's when I release the safety and my pulling begins. And so... Uh-huh. In some of my hunts, that has like it's forced me to slow down, and the shot has been better. Um, this year, you know, I shot at two deer with my bow, and I think both of them. I can like I can remember, I can remember the shot being there and feeling like it should have been okay, but I definitely think like my arm dropped on that doe, and I think that could be a combination of rushing and just exhaustion. And my, my natural, if I ever, if I ever miss whenever I do, um, not hit the bullseye, let's say just on a target, it's usually low. Like my natural predisposition is for that arm to drop a little bit. And so the shot goes a little low. Um, and I think that just happened to the extreme with that dough. Um, I think that happened to a degree with that buck. Um, because of both my arm dropping and because of the finagling of physical or of, of trying to physically get around that backpack. Um, but I'm sure like that was rushed a little bit too. Like, I definitely did not like sit the pin on that bucks vitals for five seconds and make sure everything was perfect before like going, that didn't happen. That buck, I like was maneuvered, trying to get in position, trying to get position, finally got drawn back, bump up against the backpack, lean down more. I got the pins on the vitals and then it was like gone. Um, I still, with that one, I still can't explain how it missed as much as it did. Like, I, I was not, it wasn't, there's no way I should have missed as much as I missed. And I'm just, I'm telling you, I screwed up in a lot of ways, but I, I did not, there was, I wasn't like shaking. It wasn't like I couldn't hold the pins in the buck or anything. So the fact that it hit like three feet to the left in like a foot low or whatever makes me think that. Something else was involved too, like when it when I released, like it maybe hit the backpack on release and bumped it down or something. Um, so it's not to make excuses, but it's same like something happened there that made that thing like extreme. Um, are
2: you, are you sh- you're shooting? What are you shooting? Like a five pin sight? Yeah, yeah, five pin sight. I I want to go back and watch that miss because I wonder if. You're maybe you know, you might be dropping your bow arm, but you might also be trying to look at that arrow as soon as you release the shot. So that might be influencing your form a little bit, especially on when you shoot at a deer. Yeah. You might not notice it. You might not do it when you're target shooting. yeah, but I've seen this happen. i I've got a good buddy that I got into bow hunting probably like twelve, thirteen years ago. And he, you know, he started out like everybody did. He had a three or a four or five pin sight. I can't remember, but he would, he was shooting guts or he was shooting shoulder over and over and over again. I'm like, man, what is going on here? And what I think he was doing was he'd shoot and try to look around those pins, that rack of pins. And so I talked him into trying out a, a single pin sight, one vertical pin, and he got, you know, it wasn't like instantly better, but his, his game of shooting deer correctly changed big time. And so sometimes when you, you know, like, and I know like a lot of people are like, oh, I'm not messing with a single pin sight. What, what you don't think about is, you know, I can, I can buy the right single pin sight, like an HHA and I can have one vertical pin and a entire sight window on both sides. I can see the, the front and the back of the deer, however I'm shooting at them. And I don't like, I personally don't feel like I have to try to look for that arrow or like try to see more of the deer. And I I think that we don't, you know, some people obviously don't have a problem with it at all, but when you start sliding down that buck fever rabbit hole and you start falling apart, you're doing, you're doing probably several things that are screwing up your shot that you're just not aware of. Cause it's like, like you said, you shoot two times a year at deer, you know, like, I don't know, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. It's kind of hard to pin down, especially when those things don't afflict you during your practice sessions. But I wonder if you consistently miss that way, it might not be you dropping your arm. It might be you picking your head up to look.
1: Yeah, yeah I don't know. It could be. I mean, I'm certainly willing to to try something different because, um, yeah, it's it's not like I don't get I don't really get buck fever in like a traditional sense. Like I'm not shaking and freaking out or nervous or anything. Like I'm very like, all right, like it's business time. Like this is the thing This is what you got to do. And I'm pretty locked in. I think my, the way it comes out for me is just it traditionally has been just like rushing it. Um, just like, just that final second or two is, is too fast. Um,
2: so let me ask you this. Those, that, that Iowa buck that you missed, if you put a target out there, full size 3D deer target that size at that range, how many times do you think you'd have to shoot at it before you
1: missed? Like missed it entirely? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, uh, oh. 200, 150, I don't know. I mean, okay. I can I can I can put an arrow in the vitals of a 33-year-old deer uh like piece of cake every time. No doubt about it. It should have been a chip shot. Should have been easy. Um So so then why are you rushing your shot then? Hell if I know. I mean, it's like the body taking over in that moment. I mean, I think do, that Do you know what my uh
2: assessment is mark tell me that there might be there might be more buck fever there than you think
1: yeah and i guess what i'm saying is is like what i deem traditional buck fever being like shaking and like that kind of thing is not my way it manifests my manifestation is like what i just described so yes like there's obviously like something that makes it so that i'm not doing it perfect no doubt about it
2: well yeah and it we, so I, I've given a ton of seminars on buck fever and I've, I'm very familiar with it and I just look at this and I go, if you, if you're super confident that you would not screw that shot up on a target, there's something going on. And if you're not rushed when you're target shooting and yet, you know, you're rushed when you're shooting at a deer, like you can feel it and you know, like, ah, I did it too fast. I did it too fast you're it's the mental game. Isn't there quite the way you think. And that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I dumbed down my shooting because I knew if I'm, if I'm shooting at a target, I can shoot a seven pin site target shoot all day long. No problem. But you put a heartbeat on that thing and I'm shooting, you know, twice as fast as I should. And I just had to declutter my site window. So my target acquisition would be quicker. It was easier to float that pin and because I knew instead of me being able to change, part of it was just changing my equipment to accommodate the fact that I was going to lose my mind. And so like what you're talking about there, mine, mine, I was always shooting over. I, I wasn't shooting under, I was always shooting over because that rack of pins would hit that deer and I'd shoot before I got it down on them. And I just had to like, go. I don't, I don't like this, <laughs> this feeling of just not being able to keep my shit together when there's a deer in front of me and just dumb the whole thing down. And man, at least for me, it was a game changer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hey, I'm, uh, I'm going to be working on, working on something new this year. So that very well might be it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was, uh, it was not fun having that loss of confidence. That's for sure.
2: Yeah. It's, it can, that's a, that's a season ruiner
1: there. Yeah. 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 Uh, so that was like my biggest challenge this year was dealing with that. What about you? Did you have anything at all that you found challenging or some, any big like mistake or set of mistakes or something like, did anything go wrong? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) isn't
2: that something's always going wrong. Um, (laughs) you know, I had, I had an experience in North Dakota where I, the The deer were really, really pressured. And so I felt like I was working on one buck that was coming over on the public side where I was hunting. And I set up for that deer the very first night I hunted. and he came in and it looked like I was gonna have an, a really short, really successful hunt. and he was about, I don't know, three steps, maybe maybe four, five, six feet away from being in my shooting lane, perfect to my left. And the thermals got me and he took off and I was sitting there going, the only deer I feel like I even, or, you know, the only nice buck that I felt like I had a chance at just caught me in the only place I felt like I had a chance at him at. And so it was like, okay, time to, time to reinvent the wheel there. That was, a that was a sinking feeling because I knew, I knew I wasn't working with a whole lot and, you know, I, I ended up shooting a doe later there. Um, so it, it worked out okay, but it, you know, it's tough when you're like, you get out there and you have those real high expectations and you start looking around you're like, man, I can't even hardly find one. Yeah. And if I do, he's on the wrong side of the fence. And then there's one really good one and you go in there and it's like, you give him your best shot. And that deer is like, I got you. And you watch mm-hmm. him run away and it's like, now, now what do I do for the rest of the time? You know, uh, that was, that was tough. Uh, you know, I missed a buck in Wisconsin. So you want, you want to talk buck fever, um, that, that buck I missed for one week in November, you know, came running out and I stopped that deer, you know, wide open from a ground blind and you know, he was, I can't remember what he was 28, 29 yards, something like that. Just like a, that, that, that deer's not getting away and my cameraman couldn't get on him because of the blind. And so I'm like, well now I've, now he knows something's up and that's when you, that was when the panic for me set in. Cause now I'm thinking I got to let him walk. Then I got to stop him again and shoot him. And I should have just knowing how I felt then. And you know how this is. Sometimes you just get into that mode where you're like, I'm killing that deer and it makes you take dumb shots Mm -hmm. sometimes. And you know, I, if you were to ask me like right now, I'd be like, is there any situation where you'd merp at a deer twice and you're going to get him? I'd be like, no, that's a train wreck waiting to happen. (laughs) Well, that's exactly what I did. And man, I, you know, I shot over that deer just dumb. Like I knew, I knew when I stopped him and I couldn't shoot him where I planned to shoot him, I should have just let him go. You know, like I should have just been like, this was, you know, he got me like this, he wins, but I knew he was going to be in the wide open still. And I was going to have a chance, but by then my, you know, my mental faculties are gone. I'm, I'm screwed. And you can see the results I shot right over him. And so that was, that was a good reminder to me, because like what you're talking about when you when you almost get to the point where you don't want to shoot because you're scared of what could happen that, you know, I've, I've, I've messed around with traditional bow hunting some in my life. And I had I had one season where I had a good year with a recurve and it was really fun. And the next year I didn't shoot as much. And you can't you can't half ask that when you're when you're shooting with a uh, traditional bow. It takes so much practice and I didn't put it in. And I remember going out opening morning and you know, this was, I was like 25 or something and I had a nice two and a half year old come walking down the trail and I just let him walk right by. Cause I was terrified. I'm like, I don't feel like I'm there. Like I shouldn't be shooting at him. And I, I think about that feeling often because it's happened to me and that, you know, that's what happened with that buck in Wisconsin. Like in there, that little, you know, voice in your head's like, man, this is, this is falling apart quickly. You should probably just take this as a loss and not risk wounding him or doing something stupid. But man, that ego gets in the way and you just get into that desire to shoot and you make dumb
1: decisions sometimes. So like, what's the, what's the solution or takeaway, or I don't know, like, is there anything that you, is that the kind of thing that you can experience and then be like, okay, I need to do X different or Uh, I mean, what, what now? Maybe it's the simple question. What now? Listen to that little
2: voice. I mean, and it's, listen, man, we're, we're all a work in progress. Right. And I know, you know, like I, especially probably in the last five years, I'm really trying to take only shots where I'm like, this deer is toast. Like there's no question when I draw that bow back and you know, that, that, that gets me hunting from the ground more. Cause I think ground shots are easier and it gets me kind of that 20 and under game more and more. And, you know, but every once in a while, just, <laughs> you know, like the deer do their thing and I revert back to my old ways, but I just try to do stupid stuff like that, you know, less. I, I want the frequency of that to be, Less and less. And so I just, you just hope some of those lessons stick with you and you make better decisions in the future.
1: Yeah. And I guess maybe some of that ties back to, you know, what we were talking about earlier where, you know, when, when I'm so focused And, you know, so much pressure you put on yourself that you got to kill this deer. That's when you have those like moments where you lose control of the yes, I should shoot or no, I shouldn't shoot. And then you take that bad shot. So it's almost like the more we can be more experience or process focused and less like caring so damn much about the final outcome. um, I guess like it ties back to that whole kind of change of mindset. And maybe if I can get better at that, I won't be, you know, so you know, so obsessed with it. You got to get it. Like you said, like you get in these moments where you're like, okay, that deer's got to die. Like this is going to happen. Got to get the shot. Got to get the shot. And then you yep. take a shot that you know, you shouldn't, or, you know, after you shoot it, you know, you shouldn't have, but in the moment, you're like, Oh, I could, I can make it work. Yeah. Um, you know, I did that. I did that the year prior with that target buck I was after that It was one little tiny hole. And I've been chasing this deer for three years. I was like, I have to get this shot. It's the first time I've had him in range. There's a little hole. Yeah. I'm leaning down and trying to get through this. It's not great, but I got to try. And then as soon as I took, I was like, that was the stupidest thing. But in that moment, it's just like, you can't, your, your, your judgment is impaired by this crazy desire you have. (laughs) Um, and it makes you a flaming idiot.
2: Well, yeah, and it, it's, I mean, it, one of the things that's amazing about bow hunting whitetails is you're always, you're you are never that far away from a, a big mistake. Like, I mean, you just, you just make them. And, you know, like when you think about that, that buck I'm talking about that I missed there, that morning was when I had that 150-incher come in that I had within range for seven and a half minutes. Right. And I, I drew on that deer four times and never, never got the shot I needed. And so you think, wow, that's like an amazing example of self-control. And then you go out that night on a buck that's 30 inches smaller and you just make a dumb shot. Like it just, you know, bow bow hunting is like so humbling that way because it just reminds you how stupid you can be. Yeah, that's,
1: (laughs) that's the truth. (laughs) Oh yeah. If you start getting a big ego, just try bow hunting for a while and it'll bring you right back down to earth. Yeah. It's a, it's a humbling experience a lot of times. Uh-huh. So yeah, man. So then if, if those like the things we did wrong or that we had mistakes or challenges with, was there anything like when you look back that you thought, man, I got that right. or I, I'm proud of myself for that reason. Or you figured something out. Is there anything that like stands out in that way?
2: Man, you know, the thing that makes me really happy about my season last year was the, the setup work in the summer. You know, cause knowing we were going to film this show, um, I knew that I had to get some stuff ready to go in Minnesota and Wisconsin. So in Minnesota, you know, I hunt with a, my buddy, Eric, a lot and he and I got together and, you know, we were working well together. We made some good decisions and I felt like we just got good stands up. And then in, in Wisconsin, you know, I've been working with my buddy, Adam, and we, we did some work in the summer too, in between fishing, and I just felt by the end of August this year, I just felt like my, my rut hunt was going to be good. Like I felt like it was going to be a lot of fun and there was going to be a really good chance to kill a couple bucks. And so I enjoyed that part. Like I enjoyed getting out there with my buddies and being like, this is the spot and getting a stand up and then looking around and, and working on it and being like, this is a spot, this is a spot. And when you start, you know, when you have that option to set up ahead of time and you, and you use it, and it you get that work done, man, it just feels good going into the season. Like, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna have to adjust on the fly some because you always do. But generally that that was the part that made me really happy because it just felt like we got the right work done.
1: That's a good feeling. For sure. I uh I wish I had something that I could say. <laughs> <laughs> but I like nothing really jumps out to me like oh i really did that right or this really went well i mean <laughs> uh it was it was such a season of like close but not close enoughs or screw ups um you know i had like i had a lot of good bucks within shooting range a couple i chose not to shoot like i talked about the wisconsin one i talked about the nebraska one i had like another nebraska one that was you know, I, I was trying to get a shot at him. I had him at five yards, draw him back, and he spooked just before I came to full draw. Uh, I had a buck at 40 yards in D.C., but didn't want to take a long shot there because of just how tight the property lines are and stuff. I had two different bucks on public land in Idaho within shooting range, but behind brush. So, I mean, like, there's, it was like a lot of that kind of thing. So, I guess if I'm trying to, like, find silver linings, this uh, – uh, if I, if I were to stretch for a silver lining on this year, it could be that I hunted a bunch of different places, most of them brand new or challenging in some kind of way, and was able to, like, find deer and get within range of some good ones a bunch of times. So, I mean, like, you could say, like, that's good. Um, the, the the negatives I already described. Um, but maybe they'll – I guess – Maybe the best thing wasn't like I did something right. It was that I was forced to think through these things that I just talked about at the top, like the whole changing of my mindset and my goals and and how I'm approaching this stuff. Maybe it was just the fact that I had to go through that, you know, over the course of the season and start having those like, thoughts and and thinking through those things this year, trying to get more just focused on the experience and less obsessed with the outcome. I think maybe, maybe that's the best thing that came out of this season for me was, was that I had to go through some bullshit to, to kind of have that realization maybe. Um, And so maybe that leads to, you know, what you described, which is not being as stressed and enjoying it more. And that leads to the outcome being better in the end. Um, Maybe that's, Maybe that's my thing, I guess. Um, But I don't know. I mean, it was, I I will tell you that I felt good about the fact that on almost all the hunts I went on in all these brand new places, like I figured them out pretty quick and I had opportunities. I didn't capitalize on all the opportunities, but I went to a bunch of new places that were all pretty darn tough. Most of them and got on deer for sure and could have killed a whole hell of a lot of deer and You know, came really damn close to, you know, the season. It's so funny. Like if a few things went just a tiny bit different, Tony, like if there were just a few things different, an inch here, an inch there, a backpack here, uh, a branch there, I could be looking back on this year and be like, dude, I killed five really nice bucks. I got on deer in all these brand new places really well. I killed some big deer. I had some good shots. I tried all these really challenging, hard things and I figured them all out. I mean, the difference between that story and the story I'm telling you right now is not that big a difference. It's like the outcome has been teetering with just the tiniest little bit of chance or mistake or doing something just a little bit different. And I don't know. It's it's kind of crazy to think about that. Um, but it's, it's interesting, I guess. Um, And so there's, there's something there too, to think about, I guess. I don't know what, I'm, I'm not sure what to make of that, but it's, it's interesting when you start looking back on like how this went right or wrong and it could have been, you know, so different.
2: Well, I mean, yeah, that's the, that's the nature of this beast, right? Like you, you need, you need those encounters because you know, most of them are going to break bad, right? Like most of them are not going to go your way. So the more work you put in to get closer to them and, you know, get really good setups and hunt the way you need to, all you're doing is going, I know out of the, however many, let's say half a dozen big bucks you're going to be around in the season, the better work you do, you know, one or two of them really go your way. And that's a good year, you know, but it's just, there's so much you just can't control. There's so much that's just going to go this is just not going to go your way. That's going to work for them. But you know, if you, if you get to that place, like you're talking about where you're, you're like, man, I spent a lot of time around good bucks last year. Then you're awful close to having some seasons strung together where you got a whole bunch of dead ones on the ground.
1: So, so with all that, all this then being said, what are you doing different in 2022? If anything, uh, I'm going to go hunt some more public land
2: bucks somewhere because I kind of didn't get my fix last year very well. So I'm, I'm looking at, you know, I'm heading out here just in a little bit to go scout some public land in Minnesota that I never thought I would deer hunt in a million years, but I just gotta, I gotta give it a go. And, you know, some of the stuff down where I, I hunted in Wisconsin last year, where I was on private, I've been, I've been winter scouting some of the public around that area too. And so I'm kind of, I'm not looking at uh, necessarily like a a totally new state to try out like I usually do every year, but just trying different parts of states I've hunted quite a bit and just, just getting that public land fix in and seeing what I can do about hunting some new environments and some places that are just different from what I'm, I'm used to. So that's, that's kind of my goal for this season.
1: I like it. Um, What about with the girls? Anything? What's the progress going to be on that front? Do you think
2: we are going to hunt uh, forkies and does and fawns and spike bucks and big bucks and whatever, whatever else. And you know we are, uh, we, we, you know, we're not there yet because there's a ton of snow over there. But we'll start heading over, and you know, probably sometime around turkey season, getting out and just looking around, getting them into the woods, and maybe, maybe put up a few cameras for the hell of it, and just. Getting them shooting again, and they you know they're they're all geeked up a hunt to hunt again. So that'll be that'll be a big part of my fall
1: again. Sounds like fun. It sounds like a darn good time. Um, I'm uh, I'm going to do two things on my side. I'm going to rebuild my shooting confidence, and how exactly I'm doing that is still a work in progress. But I'm going to be tearing things down and building them up again, and. Just getting that confidence back um, so that uh, I don't have those concerns again this coming year. And then I'm going to try to organize and plan my upcoming hunting season to be more fun, better experiences, less stress, changing goals, changing how I pack stuff in, and um, and focusing on that kind of thing, focusing on good experiences versus focusing on being the person who posts a bunch of dead deer online or has a bunch of those kinds of stories to tell. And I'm, I'm just not destined to be that person and I think that's okay. And I'm gonna be I'm gonna lean into what I enjoy and find satisfaction in and sharing those experiences for what they are and not worry or giving a damn what anybody else thinks about that. I think that's going to be what I'm gonna try to do. I think that's a good plan.
2: Uh, on your, on your quest to shore up your shooting, have you, have you ever spent any real time shooting with a, a recurve or a longbow? No, man. I'll tell you what, what I do. Cause I, I, I really enjoy shooting traditional bows. Uh, if I get into a place with my compounds where I'm starting to feel a little wonky and starting to get inside my head, Sometimes I'll hang them up for a week or a couple days and I'll just, I'll grab one of my recurves and I'll start shooting with that. Cause I, I know I'm not going to hunt with it probably, but it sort of distills the shooting process down. It's way more difficult. And so if I get that out of my system for a couple days and then I go pick up my compound, it's like I have a high powered rifle. <laughs> like it's, it's amazing how, at least for me, it kind of recenters me. And it makes me realize, you know, I like, I don't know, I don't know if you've shot crossbows much. Like I, I haven't shot them a ton. I've messed around with them a little bit, but they're so easy. Like it's, it's incredible how accurate they are that, you know, like I, I imagine you could probably do the same thing where if you're like, I'm getting a little bit messed up, you know, like you shoot one of those, you're like, oh, that's so easy. Why I I do that with, uh, with traditional bows and it, I feel like it kind of helps me stave off. Some of the some of the bad habits that might develop with my with my compound practice, and it really makes me appreciate how accurate they are.
1: No, dude, you just totally changed my whole upcoming season. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to shoot a crossbow. I would have killed like five bucks over 150 <laughs> last year if I had a crossbow. That's what I'm doing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was not the message
1: I was trying to get to you. Ah, <laughs> uh, kid, a kid. Um, I like your idea about shooting tradition a little bit is like a palate cleanser almost. Um, that I've always, I've always thought that would be fun to try and to get into. And maybe, maybe that's what I gotta do. Who knows? I might be that knucklehead that all of a sudden is like, Oh man, I like this so much. That's what I'm going to do all the time. I've had a couple friends like, dude, just knowing what a nutcase you are, you probably would really fall for that hard. So maybe.
2: Do you, do you have any, uh, any places out there where you could potentially bullfish with your, uh, with a, trad bow?
1: Oh, uh, maybe, probably. I've, I've, I've not really looked into that thing at all, but I'm, there's carp all over the place. So there probably is stuff you could do like that. I, I would recommend, uh,
2: getting a, getting a recurve of some sort and getting a, uh, getting a bow fishing setup on it. And you'll start having some fun with your, with archery tackle. And you can get those in the right situation. If you can get those little boys out, you can shoot a fish and then have them, you just hand line them in. Mm, yeah. And they will think that's cool. That would be
1: probably a lot of fun, and you
2: will think that's cool too.
1: <laughs> I can see that. I like it. That's a good idea. Well, Tony Peterson, is there any ground we have not covered that you think we should? Or are we good? You are. You are my. Uh, yeah. God, what's her name? In uh, Ted Lasso, <laughs> I I gotta Google this just so I know, so that I can say that you are my whatever that is. <laughs> 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 Wait for it wait for it and while you wait for it think if there's anything else we need to cover her name is Sharon Sharon Dr. Fieldstone Sharon Sharon Fieldstone right? So I'm your Dr. Sharon Fieldstone Yeah you're my Yes
2: you're my Do, Dr. Sharon Do you think one session is enough for you to get your head right there Mark
1: You tell me you're the pro
2: I don't think, I think we barely scratched the surface of your problems.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, wh- what do you say, doc? Are we done for this session at least?
2: We we go her up now, man. Yeah. I- we-, we covered some good stuff. I think it's good for everybody listening to this to just think like, what do you want to get out of next year? You know, like we, what do you, what do you want to get out of hunting? Like, what's it going to mean to you? What do you want to do? You start thinking about that stuff and, and what you might do with it just gives you you something to live on, especially this time of year when it kind of sucks to be a deer hunter and just give you a little jump
1: on the season maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. All right, buddy. Well, thank you for joining me here, man. This is fun. Glad I could get some stuff off my chest and uh, you too. And now we've got some good direction for the new year. Definitely. Thanks, man. And that will do it. So thank you all for joining us. Hope you guys took something away from these conversations. Hopefully you can relate to it in one way or another, and uh, we can all kind of go on this journey together. So thank you for being you guys, for being a part of this community. And until next time, stay wired to hunt.
0: Hey, everybody knows Weber grills. I've been using Weber grills my whole life and check it out. They got a pellet grill, the Weber Searwood pellet grill. With a pellet grill, you can smoke, roast, and sear on the same grill. You can go from low and slow, okay, on smoke boost mode, or crank this thing all the way to a heat sear at 600 degrees. It's got a full great sear zone, so you can put more food on the flame. Get fired up for your new Weber Searwood pellet grill. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal.